Welcome to another episode of Gaming Historia. I am Chris Gravel, joined by, I almost called him Kobe, because if you saw on, on Bago that. Games, <laughs> I gushed about Kobe Bell from, uh, from, oh my god, I just went blank, from Burn Notice. You're doing a good yeah, job. <laughs> this is this is the quality we go for. But from Burn Notice, I, I'm a big fan of Kobe Bell from that, so... Every time I'm I'm about to mention Colby, I <laughs> I picture Kobe Bell, um, <laughs> which in the show Patton Oswalt refers refers to him as bald George Clooney, and I'm like, yep, he's a dreamy guy. Um, <laughs> so so if I do call Colby Kobe today, I apologize to him and any listeners that get offended. Had it my whole <laughs> life. Don't even worry. All right, so. <laughs> we are still not at the big big thing that we were planning on. Um, but that's that's gonna take a while. We'll get there. Don't worry about that. But gaming historia, we figured this is a podcast that covers the history of video games and everything that's happened is history. And some some more history happened uh, last week or earlier this week. Wait, was, yeah, last week. So we're going to talk about it here, and we're gonna keep these smaller casts coming as we work on the other one. Um, so what happened? Do you? Do you know? Do you remember what triggered all of this? Uh, yes, I, I don't remember what it's called. Paragon. Uh, but EA shut down a popular MOBA called No Epic. Shut down Paragon. Epic. Oh God, I'm a mess. Okay, <laughs> Epic shut down Paragon, uh, a popular, I guess, was popular MOBA. Uh, they just kind of they're shutting it down, and uh, basically. A lot of the community was mad because when you sink a lot of money into a game and then it just shuts down like that, you don't have anything to show for it. Right. So that's kind of what we're here to talk about. And this is not the only game that has had this problem. Um, we also had this issue with a game called Dawn Gate, which was an EA MOBA. Okay, see, I was in the right yeah. track. That's the EA you were one. you were with EA, so we were in the right place. It's, <laughs> let me make sure it's let me make sure I'm the wrong name. I played it a lot. Yeah, Dongate. It was a really really good MOBA, and I don't remember spending any money on it, but I imagine some people did. And uh, it's very easy to spend money on MOBAs, right? And and I don't know if they had it monetized yet, but if they did, money was spent on it, and then it got shut down. It's EA we're talking yeah, about. And it was still an open beta. They did. <laughs> and so that's two oh, games. Now, one one other game, and, and if we think of other ones, we'll bring them up. There's a ton of them that have happened, but we're just trying to touch on a few because it's it's not the games themselves as much as the uh, the idea of what's going on here that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, EverQuest Landmark was also shut down. And I spent a hundred bucks on the founders pack for that game then sony sold it off and then almost immediately it shut down it, it it wasn't up that long and whenever i asked for a refund or at least a partial refund they said sorry we're not giving any money back um Dude. yeah now paragon is going different epic is going to they're putting in a thing for refunds and the final which i think is great that's the way to do it yeah i do too i i mean if you're gonna if you're going to take people's money and then not be able to support something for at least a reasonable amount of time, then you need to say, sorry, here's your money back. And, and Epic can do it. I mean, they have 
they have other stuff that they're working on, like Fortnite has taken off. So I mean, they have the money, and then it, it's different when it's like a, a game that's you know been around for what you know like ten, fifteen years. Eventually, you know that game is going to have to shut down. Yeah. But when it's something that happens just a few years into into launch, then you have to be ready to you know deliver refunds. Right. And the other one. This is the one that pissed me off the most, and it was Marvel Heroes. And I, I played it on PC for a long time, got my money's worth. But then I bought one of the founder packs for PS4 because I thought it'd be a fun couch co-op game because it's kind of a Diablo meets Marvel superheroes kind of catch-all. And mm-hmm. I don't even know if it was six months before they shut it down. And it, it was it was unreal. I mean, they, they launched it, and they're like, ah, we're done. Thanks for the money. And I called Sony, and they said, no, it's, you know, it's DLC, so you know it's a digital product. You bought it, you're stuck with it. But we're we're going to see if anything comes from it. But no refund on that. That sucks. Yeah. So so with all that preamble out of the way, what we're talking about here is Kickstarter a little bit, but not so much on that because you kind of know what you're getting into with Kickstarter. But these the digital revolution, quote unquote, that's going on right now in gaming. Um, there's some issues with it that are becoming more apparent now. Um, and I, I think that's, that's kind of what we're going to discuss a little bit here. And so there's pros and cons to digital stuff, but let's get, let's get your, your initial thoughts on some of the stuff that's happened with this and, and the digital revolution as it were. You know, I, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting thing because I don't know. Like I, I read a, an article a few days ago. It's it's not exactly the same thing, but it's similar. Uh, Rainbow Six Siege. It, they announced basically there's the standard version you can buy, and they announced a new sixty dollar advanced version. And what this does is it gives you know a bunch of the DLC and a bunch of new loot boxes that weren't originally in the game to people who buy the advanced edition. So basically what it is is people who have been on this game, because this has been out for years, this is a, a game of service, They, the people who have been on this game for years basically didn't have the opportunity to get what new people who are just jumping in get for buying the game that they bought at the same price. You know, people who are buying it now for $60 are getting more and like you know they're getting the dlc that these people had to pay extra for they're getting loot boxes that the you know original adopters had to pay extra for so it's that same kind of concept of you know i spent all this money and i got what for it you know it's 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 how games work nowadays and it's definitely something that can be fixed but game developers aren't going to want to do that because they're trying to make as much money as possible. I I agree 100%. And one of my big issues with the whole thing is, let's say, like Marvel Heroes is a perfect example. I, I purchased, you know, the, the Founders packs and the early stuff and all that. And spent a lot of money on the game and more money than I should have probably. But it was a, it was a fun Diablo type game with some of the Diablo 2 people on it. Um, and then once it shuts down, you're done. But the, the assets are all there. So if they had released a physical copy that didn't have to be online all the time, like you could play it offline like they've done with Diablo 3 on, on the consoles, 
then even whenever Diablo 3 eventually shuts down, which with Blizzard, that could be 100 years from now, they still have Diablo 2 going. <coughs> but um, You still have something to yeah, do. Yeah, but at least you still have that game. You know, you look back at, at retro systems, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, all that stuff, you mm-hmm. play the game whenever you want. You don't have to worry about whether or not the company kept it up. This is going to be up a year from right. now. Right, and so one of my... One of my problems with this whole thing with Paragon and and with Don Game, um, <laughs> Don Gate, EA yeah, one. EA Game, uh, with Don Gate and with stuff like that is, you know, with a MOBA it's a little bit different, but there's still bot matches. Like if I really just enjoyed playing the game by myself, why not just let me have just the assets where I can play against bots that. I don't think that requires a server side thing because I'm I'm playing bots and who cares, and so getting for a long time I was full on I'm buying everything digital, and then I realized wait a second once with digital games you're just buying the rights to play the game. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And so at some point, some of my favorite games that I bought digitally won't be available anymore, and. That's that's what this this digital landscape has. It's allowed for you know a game like Overwatch couldn't have existed ten fifteen years ago. There was just nothing to support that, and now Overwatch, you know, Destiny. These are games that are fully online. So once their servers eventually shut down, which every game will have its server shut down eventually, there's nothing left. Right, and it's with a physical game. I mean, it's kind of a burn, too, if you buy Overwatch and they shut it down in a year and you just have a physical box sitting there. But it would be easier to stomach some of this digital stuff that's going on if the prices were a little bit more in line with it being digital. Because whenever you take out the the packaging, the shipping, the retailer's cut, all that stuff mm-hmm. from doing a physical game. It should be a lower price experience. It should be significantly lower. And I, I don't have numbers. I'm, I'm sure that we could do research and, and follow up on that. But, I mean, it's got to be at least at least 10 or $15 cheaper. I, oh, yeah, for sure. They could totally do right. it. And, and like we said in the last podcast, you go to Amazon or you go to Best Buy and you're getting a brand new game for $12 cheaper if you're a member of their stuff. Mm-hmm. So why would I spend 60 bucks for a digital copy? Spend extra right. to have a digital. Outside of the convenience of not having to switch out discs or cards or whatever. And Honestly, that's why I buy physical. The only upside is not having to switch the discs. Right. I mean, even even with physical at this point, besides the Switch, you still have 50, 60 gig installs, which I think is just Oh, it's bonkers. unreal. Every time you buy a game, you know that you're going to buy it today and play it tomorrow, basically. Um, and, so, and, and, and that also gets into kind of the loot box controversy, which we don't need to cover that in Link, but... <laughs> Everybody has already. Yeah, and I mean, it's the same thing with pretty much anything EA does. Madden, FIFA, Star Wars, all that stuff. You know, you... Especially with sports titles, they it's gambling. And I know there's a big discussion about whether or not it is, but you're gambling to get the good stuff that you'll be able to sell for a good amount of coins that'll carry over. I mean, but, did you see in their newest Need for Speed game, they had loot boxes that were literally slot machines? 
Like that's <laughs> the definition of gambling. They're so, so they're just sticking their finger up and saying we can do whatever we want right now. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that. I, I saw that today and I was like, you've got to be kidding unreal. me. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. The whole thing here is it's sad to see Paragon go. It was sad whenever Dawn Guard mm-hmm. went. It was. It's sad to see, you know, any game. Every game has a, a community behind it. And it's, you know, it sucks to be someone in there that was supporting that game to, you know, to see it close like that. It's upsetting. It is. And I had uh, a chance. They they gave us an invite yesterday to do the Age of Empires Definitive Edition closed beta. And I, I jumped on and I played it a little bit. And I was like, all right, this game's fine. I wrote up an article on BagoGames.com. So go there. You'll find it under Age of Empires Definitive Edition. is still holds up, sort of. The issue is that I can put on my favorite real-time strategy game of all time, which is Rise of Nations, connect it you know, through like a virtual LAN cable to a friend, and we can still play online. We don't have to worry about their servers watching us. We still get to play those games multiplayer, even though the servers, which I think back in the day it was GameSpy that, that it ran on, but regardless of, of that original Rise of Nations, if they hadn't re-released it, we could still play that game today and have fun. But you can't do that with Paragon. You couldn't, you know, with, with Paragon, and, and I don't see a reason why they don't just say, okay, we're shutting down the servers, but let other people pay for a server and they can play with their friends if they want. You know, we're not going to support the game anymore, but if you like where it is right now, spend 20 bucks, you buy the game. And then you can host your own server, host your own dedicated server. There's plenty of games that let you dedicate your own servers. And so I I don't know why they just take all these assets that these people work so hard on and throw them in the trash, basically, because there's no reason that some other company can't come in and say, hey, you're not going to pay the servers and the development, but we have some servers that we can put up there for people to play on and we'll charge them, you know, the game will be free. They pay five bucks a month, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, then there's a secondary business for these games that go under where they can recoup some of their loss. And, you know, EverQuest Next is a perfect example. You know, whenever that went down, it, they're not EverQuest Next, EverQuest Landmark, um, which is supposed to lead up to EverQuest Next. Whenever that went down, just say, hey, here it is in the final form. This is what we're ending it at. But host your own server and you still get to play. It's fun. You can play with the game. You know, another thing is for these, uh, not necessarily for, you know, smaller companies like, you know, Paragon, uh, but for companies like EA, I I don't remember the exact amount, but EA makes billions a year off of FIFA alone. (laughs) This company has so much money that the amount to keep the servers running and, you know, if and kick up, you know, marketing or whatever they need to make a sustainable community for this game is a fraction, uh, cutting into a fraction of the profit they make yearly. They 100% have the ability to keep this up. They're just choosing not to. And and that's that's the cool thing about Blizzard is nobody's buying Diablo 2 anymore. I mean, I'm sure that a few people buy the battle chests here and there, but Diablo 2, if you don't have it, you don't want it for the most part. Um, but mm-hmm. the servers are still up. They're not making money off it, but they make money off all their other stuff. You don't pay for Battle.net. You just get to play on it, and it's free. Yeah. And 
could they make more money by shutting down those servers? They they would have more money left over because they're not paying for servers. But one of the things with with Blizzard is if I'm looking for a MOBA, I may turn to Heroes of the Storm again at some point because I know that if I spend $100 on it or $50 or $20, whatever I spend on it, it's going to be around for a long time because Diablo 2 has been around since I was in... When did Diablo 2 come out? 2001? 2002? Somewhere around there? Let's ask Google. Yeah, see what Google says about Diablo 2. 2000. 2000. So, 18 years <laughs> later, still going. you can still get on and play Diablo 2. And granted, not all companies are Activision Blizzard, but Paragon... They should yeah, be. But Paragon had Epic <laughs> behind it, and Epic is... Is no slouch. That's true too. You know, I mean, they make a ton mm-hmm. just just off putting out their, uh, you know, the Unreal Engine. Unless I'm completely mm-hmm. mistaken that it's two different epics, but as far as I know, Epic no, makes the sure Unreal Engine. So they make they make money anytime anyone uses right. it. Right, and I don't know how many that games. alone would sustain it. Yeah, it, it, the that engine alone it makes so many games, especially indie games. And and that's one of indie games. I'm okay with being digital. I have no problem with that because yeah, they don't really have another option, right? And and a few of them they do. You know the the successful ones eventually come out physically, but most indie games, I I imagine I'll play those for a week, maybe two weeks, and then I had my fun. And you know, once I move on to the whatever the next generation of consoles will be, if it's not compatible there, I'm not going to be upset. It, the, I didn't pay 60 bucks for it. You know, I wasn't given this grand promise, blah, blah, blah. It's it's going to be a game that I spent 10, maybe 20 bucks on that I'll probably get my money's worth out of if it's a good game. And so... You know, I, I want to bring that... Speaking of getting your money's worth, I, I wanted to offer kind of a counterpoint just kind of to play devil's advocate here. Is at the same time while people are saying, you know... Where's my, you know, my money went to nowhere, you know, I'm losing money, what was the point of buying this? I will say, you spent money because you liked the game, and you got something out of what you spent, you know? You you were spending because, you know, while the game, whatever game it is, is shut down now, you wanted to spend money on it, you bought something, and you enjoyed what you bought, you know, unless, you know, unless it was a loot crate and you didn't get what you wanted. For the most part, you spent your money because you wanted to. And while the game is shut down now, at some point you got some value out of what you bought. Yeah, and and I get that. And I'm and I'm with you on that side of things. And and this sounds like a very entitled conversation just as as a whole like hey, I I want my game to stay up. It's it's the practices and how it's done that you know, Paragon did okay with giving 3 months notice. Yeah, they, I think they handled something like this is about as best as you can do it. Right. And then you had Marvel, which I, I think Marvel Heroes knew long before they announced they were going down. And their prices were staggering for some of the stuff on there. It was ridiculous for how much it cost just to get a new character. But I'm sure it, it, it seems to me that they kind of knew what was coming up and then they just kind of dropped the bomb quickly. And there wasn't a whole lot of time before it shut down. And and at that point, what's the point in playing anymore? Because 
it's not like okay let me let me get these last few online things i want to get before it goes offline and i can only play offline no you just can't play it anymore and that i i think that's the the big frustration because there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to play these games or or do LAN parties. Those were a thing whenever I was younger. Everybody got together and brought their computers or laptops and you all land up and, you know, Red Alert, Command and Conquer Red Alert, we would sit around with four of us with our computers all hooked together through a network and play it all night. And we didn't care if the servers were up or not. We got to play because we could connect them. And so, you know, you could do that with these games and not have all that work go just by the wayside. And, and I think that's really the issue here is whenever a game comes down, especially something like Marvel heroes, um, which isn't a MOBA, it, you can keep on doing it. It was a perfect couch co-op game and it didn't matter if I was online with other people or not. You know, I didn't care if other people were around because I was there playing with friends or family or whoever for just something to play on the couch. And so that kind of stuff could continue. And I, and I, and we're not going to get the answer, and and I don't know if they'll ever release the answer, but I don't understand why they don't just put those assets out there and, and let the community run with it. Because at that point, they're they're washing their hands of the game, letting you take letting the community take control of it. Yeah. So if if they let the community take control, you know, still still have the game alive, maybe just put the assets out there and say, hey, twenty bucks gets you the the game you know it gets you the assets bundle where now you can host your own private server where you can play with some other people but you know part of the agreement is you can't make it a commercial thing where you make money and all that but i'm, I'm sure there's some big long reason as to why they can't do that that makes no sense oh i'm sure there is and i i look at diablo 2 is a perfect example because that thing is has been going 18 years now but there's mods for it, so you can you can play it offline with all these crazy mods that do all these other things. And Titan Quest is the same way, which is another action RPG that you know you have all these mods that you can do whatever you want with it. And and even if the servers go down, that's okay because you can still have fun in single player. With with MOBAs, it's a little bit different, but there's plenty of groups out there that that create teams in these mobas that just have fun playing that each night as a way to unwind that could very easily just say okay let's all you know i'm I'm paying 10 bucks a month for this server and the eight of us are going to get online and and fight each other on this game and we know it's never going to be updated but maybe the community starts doing some patches and stuff like that to it so with digital games going under it it makes me think that physical games may see a little bit more of a resurgence as this is happening more and more. You know, I, I don't think the player awareness right there right now is, is there for a resurgence of physical games. I, I mean, they're declining year over year. Yeah. And I, I think people are just thinking about the ease. I don't think they're thinking about the serious problems that can come from digital games. I agree. And, and I think it's going to take a few more games before people are burned enough to say, you know what, I have to, I'm going to start buying physical again. And, I'm sure yeah. most of the companies wanted to go digital because I'm sure their profit margin is higher on it. But <laughs> yeah, for sure. But you can't you can't do the things that are happening right now where you give very short notice or you or you turn a game into a gambling game and you know all these promises of oh you can play as Luke Skywalker once you spend all this money. 
you know, mm-hmm. you know, all, all this digital stuff. It's fine to add digital things in. EA has been doing it forever. FIFA's the biggest selling game in the world, and nobody complained about the packs to the level that they are now for Ultimate Team until recently, whenever the loot boxes became an issue. And yeah. Whenever you have a game that's programmed by an external company that you don't get to see it, it's like going to Vegas. You don't know if the if the packs are rigged or not, or do they have it set so that you know you're going to have to spend X amount of dollars to actually get this, and you know you can do loot tables and all that stuff. But ultimately, they get to decide what it's going to look like for you, and that's kind of the issue with with digital. I, I think. I think we need to see digital games have some sort of promise that whenever we bring the servers down, we'll still let you play single player. Um, and with some of this gambling stuff, which again, we won't get too far into, but don't, don't make it a gamble anymore. You know I mean? Magic the Gathering, which we talked about recently on the site, that's basically gambling because you're buying a a booster pack and hoping to get the card that you need or that's worth money. Pokemon. Pokemon was the same way. They're all like that. Yeah. And so, you know, and I wrote a little piece about it that covers us a little bit with, uh, and way of the fighter, which is a new, like, it's not a collectible card game, but it's a tabletop card game. That's based on arcade fighting games like street fighter, but you buy it, you know what cards you're going to get, then you buy more. And there's living card games like Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, things like that, where you get the same idea. You know what you're buying out of that pack. And it, it, it lets consumers purchase what they need as opposed to going out and just dumping more and more money into it. and Hoping, hoping they get what they want. Right. And <clears throat> I think that I haven't played Magic for a long time now. I, I still follow it, but... You know, I, I played it from Alpha on, and I probably spent 20 years on it, played in tournaments and stuff like that. But I haven't followed it as much recently because once they introduced a new rarity, which was the Mythic rarity, and the rise of the internet came along, and people just started creating the best deck, and then you go online and you just buy those cards for the best deck. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, the meta. yeah, it, it became a meta game of net decks, and you either had to go online to buy you know, for $800 by this deck that's only going to be good in standard, which is... For like a year. Yeah, at, at most. And I think that's where Magic is starting to get hurt, is you have digital card games, which that kind of falls into this, like Eternal, which which I'm going to talk about soon um, in an article or do some streaming on it, Um which which is actually designed by the same people who did Elder Scrolls Legends, the card game. Um, but Patrick Chapin and Luis Car Vargas, who are both big Magic tournament players, work together to make the game. And it's it's a very good Magic style card game in the same vein as Hearthstone. But it's kind of if Hearthstone and Magic: The Gathering had a baby, that's what you would get. But the thing that they're doing is it's very easy to earn packs and mm-hmm. earn currency in the game. So you never feel like you have to spend any money on the game if you're willing to put the time in. And the time's not like it is in other games. You know, you play six or seven games and all of a sudden you can go buy a pack with, with the coins you earned. And it's fun as you do it. And so, you know, they don't have a secondary market that you can buy and sell and trade. So you build your collection. So I... 
I think going down that route is where we're going to start seeing digital games gain traction whenever people, whenever these digital companies start realizing like people are going to spend money if they like our business model for it, but they're not if they don't. Mm-hmm. You know, people aren't going to spend money on on Battlefront Two because they're pissed off at EA. But you have someone like Direwolf doing Eternal, who's very fair. I don't mind occasionally spending five or ten bucks to get to draft for an event weekend or something like that because I hadn't saved up enough gold. So it, it ultimately comes down to the practices of the business, and they have to understand that that as gamers, we are generally an entitled group that is very vocal. It's a, I think it's a vocal. Excuse me. I think it's a vocal minority. But that minority is extremely loud. And if you cross the line that, you know, Reddit explodes, websites explode, and everybody goes nuts and and hates you all of a sudden, you know, death threats go out. So, you know, I think there needs to be a balance where they say, look, like this year with FIFA, we're giving you 25 free packs and then middle of the year, another 25 free packs. You know, that way you don't. Oh, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. And. And that, and if they did that, I would probably buy some packs in between. The you know, especially whenever certain things were going on, and you can win packs if you play it enough by playing in weekend league and stuff like that. But ultimately, for the casual gamer, for somebody like myself, for most of the people who play FIFA, if you want to get that big team, you got to spend more money over already buying the sixty or eighty or hundred dollar version of the game, and and then if you bought it digitally then you're even more in the hole because, you know, something happens and you switch systems, then you're completely out of luck. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that goes with any game, though. If you switch systems, you're out of luck. Most games don't don't cross over. Um, you don't have one account. Like FIFA, you don't have an account that you can use on PC, PlayStation, and Xbox. And so, you know... I, I know that goes way off just the idea of a digital game that you invested in and that you've bought skins and characters in going offline and you losing that stuff and losing that money. But it's, it's in the same vein that, that this, that it used to be, you went, you bought a game, you put it in your system, everything was there. Play it for years. Right. <laughs> and uh, even, and um, we've been very, very friendly with Nintendo and how much we love the switch and all that stuff. But how many amiibos do you have above you right now? Uh, I don't want to say the exact <laughs> amount. <laughs> and, and all of those are basically DLC. They all. They are. And, that is one hundred percent what they and are. So pretty the, DLC. Yeah, and so, but they they are nice figures. So you get a little bit more out of it, and and that may be a way to go for some of this stuff. Is is Pokemon did it for a while? I think it was Pokemon that did it. That whenever, you, yeah, they did. If you bought a Pokemon pack. And you played the Pokemon trading card game online. You got a code. Yeah, you get you get an online code. You get an online still, pack. Mm-hmm. So I still play it. Yeah, so you get something physical, and you also get something digital. So that's that's I buy all of them like that because you know I get my physical cards that are pretty and I can look at, and then I get my online cards that I actually use to battle because you know nobody wants to actually hit Pokemon battles in real life. Right, and <laughs> and, and I think that's that's where. I think Amiibos... I said Amiibos were overpriced until I admitted that today I finally bought my first Amiibo. 
And they actually fall under the Gamers Club Unlock thing at Best Buy. You get 20% off Amiibos at Best Buy if you have the Gamers Club. Do they? Yep. So... God, I need to get on that. Yeah, so I saved like three bucks or something on the Link Rider. Um, have you ever heard of um, Mega Yarnio? Was that the was that an amiibo? Yes. I remember seeing so them there, like these huge pieces. Yeah, so there's Yarn Yoshi, which is just a regular sized amiibo. Uh-huh. Then there's Mega Yarn Yoshi that's like just a huge amiibo, probably the size of the cereal box amiibo, and I want it so bad and it's sixty dollars and I'm probably gonna get one. <laughs> I bet you will. And, uh, I, and I think I Amiibos are a good way to do digital content because I would have bought that Zelda or that Link Rider figure because I really I like the game and I thought that figure was a very well done figure. But what pushed me over the edge is, oh, now I can tap it to my Switch and get cool boot and then I can tap it to Mario Kart and get a costume and blah, 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 you know. Hey, with every single Zelda one, you can get a you can get Breath of the Wild. Got the Wind Waker amiibo. You can get his Wind Waker outfit. I mean, you yeah. can get there's. I, it, it is DLC, but in a clever way that doesn't feel as gross as some of the other DLC practices out there. Right, and and once the and and, and again the the DLC will always be in your game, but even if it went down, I still have these you cool still have figures. You know, like with Disney Infinity, it is no longer going to be made, but I have all these beautiful Disney related figures in my house that, you know, my daughter and I spent years playing with, but now they're, you know, and we can still play the game offline, which they did that right. But now I have all these figures that, that are cool that, you, you know, it's funny. I, I bought my first, I first started getting into Amiibos when they were just in Smash Bros and they just barely had any functionality and like no purpose whatsoever because I liked them. I thought they looked cool. Yeah. And now they have a lot more functionality and I, I feel better about buying them. I agree. I, I think that's, maybe that's the answer for digital stuff is make sure that you at least get something physical. I mean, like it, with Paragon, if whenever you bought, or, or I would say a better because I I played Paragon some, but I played EverQuest Landmark a lot more. If whenever I signed up and, and paid the $100 or whatever I paid for the Founders Pack on or the Trailblazer or whatever, if I got something physical out of that, like a little statue or an art book or something, it takes the sting out of it. And so mm-hmm. with Paragon, you know, partner up with Funko Pop or whoever's making the popular figures these days and you know if you spend x amount of dollars you also get this this cool figure and then all of a sudden it's not as painful to buy it even if the dlc is more at that point you have something physical to show for it as well and Mm -hmm. i i guarantee this this link figure that i bought today even though i opened it which is you know you you don't open yeah I, i open all my stuff but at some point, that Link figure, five, ten years down the road, some hardcore Nintendo fan is going to pay twice at least of what I paid for it because it, it won't be out anymore. I bought a $50 Rosalina import because they, they don't make them anymore. That's because $50. You, have you have a problem. I do, and, but I'm so happy. I didn't feel bad about it, which is – that's the bad part. And, I didn't feel bad. And is <laughs> is uh, Wedding Peach still in production? 
Yes, you will be able to easily find Wedding Peach. Don't worry. And she I is, have one looking at me right now. She is st- <laughs> she is online right now for thirty to forty dollars on Amazon because she's never really? in stock. Yeah. And so, you know, people are buying them and then reselling them. I could have sworn I saw one at work a few days ago. Yeah, well, if you do, let me know and I'll, I'll pay for you so you can get it for me. Because um, <laughs> that's that's the kid's favorite is is uh, is Peach. Mario Kart, it's Peach all the time. Peach and Baby Peach. Um, I've always preferred Rosalina. Yeah, Ro- Rosalina's got a little bit of sass to her. I like her. Yeah, um, she's mysterious. Yes. So... <laughs> I know that we We're completely off topic. Yeah, I know that we didn't really hit anything that's going to change the world or anything, but we wanted to get out there and, and keep in touch with the audience and let you guys know what's inform going on. a little bit. Yeah, and and you know we're still working out. I, I've built my recording studio, which is um, a closet. So so hopefully it sounds significantly better this time, which was part of the goal is to test it out here too. Um, but it. I got the approval from my wife that the Gaming Historia podcast will be doing either part of the Gaming Historia channel or as a sub-channel to it, um, a father and daughter podcast where... Oh, I love that. That's exciting. Where I, And I've, I've done one of just some of the toys and stuff she likes, but we're going to be covering toys. I, the first review we're going to do is Mario Kart. Um, they announced Hotel Transylvania is coming out, which is... A, you name a movie, she can tell you what company animated it, what company put it out, and the date that it was released. You've got your first listener. You've got, yeah. you've so, got your first listener Awesome. So, so we'll be doing reviews <laughs> and discussions and stuff from a seven-year-old's point of view as the podcast goes on. So I, I don't know when we're going to release that first one. It's kind of up to whether or not she's in a mood. Um, but she's excited <laughs> to do it. She had a lot of fun doing it for the first time. So we'll uh, we'll hopefully get a Mario Kart or... Uh, Hello Kitty's Cruisers, whenever that comes out, don't don't worry, we'll have a review for that. But um, we'll probably. <laughs> when is this podcast going up? I have to. the The first one I did was kind of just all her toys and about her, and it gets into more personal information than we want to put out about our seven year old daughter. Um, so I probably won't put that one out. But the one I'm going to record next should be at some point this week, and I'll have it up within a couple days. And if you think I talk a lot, just <laughs> I, what'll happen is it'll be a Mario Kart review that turns into Beanie Boos and uh, Shimmer and Shine and all these other toys oh, that she's that. into. <laughs> and, and that's going to be the goal of the podcast is I, I want parents who are gamers to be able to listen to a kid's idea of, of what they think of the game, especially as we start getting games a little bit ahead of time so that we can release it that day. So parents who are on the fence can listen to uh, a child talk about what they think about the game so they know whether or not it's going to be good for their for their kids. And their kids can listen to it and not worry about it ever getting into a position of where the conversation may go in a way they don't want their kids to listen to or whatever. It'll be a, a very family-friendly podcast. But I'm going to yeah. let her run at the mouth too because all of a sudden we'll get into talking about whatever new toy is out because she gets them all because we're suckers and parents will have ideas for you know birthdays and and whatever else of like oh hey this is a toy that my kid probably dig that they don't know about yet so um that's our that's our next podcast that's going to be going up we're still working on our big history podcast and 
it's been slow going because we've been really pushing on the site. So if you haven't been to Bago Games recently, check it out. It's We had 12 articles go up today, which I think is how many we've had go up in like the last three days. So I just put out a my opinion of the top five Mario games. Go check that out. Yeah, and we changed the title on it because we thought you were boring. Um, <laughs> it's very vanilla it top was, five Mario games. It was games. like top five Mario games. So we dressed I, it up I knew a little someone bit for would you. fix it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's a good article. And, it, it, and, and we just have all kinds of stuff going up on the site now. We have... Um, by the time you hear this, which will hopefully be on the 31st, if not, you'll hear it on the 1st, a review for a really, really sweet Switch game um, will be up on the 1st. It's kind of a callback to old school, like 1942 games. Um, you know, the, the plane fly around bullet hell type games. But it's got a role-playing element to it, which is a lot of fun. So uh, we have a lot of stuff in the works, some good videos coming up. I have a couple OSER reviews for the two versions that came out that I'll do uh, some videos on that so you can hear them talk and see what one of my issues with the game is. Um, but we have a few things coming up. So so keep an eye on Bago Games, and, and that way you'll find the, the Daddy Daughter podcast, the reviews that we have coming up, uh, I think we have some hardware possibly coming in the near future that we'll be reviewing as well. So things are gonna the ball is gonna get rolling here real soon. So start watching. But as it is right now, news is popping. So so keep an eye on Bago Games, and you'll probably hopefully you'll get your next one, your next podcast from this feed on Monday, which is gonna be our goal is releasing it on Monday. So we have to find something to care about. But watch out for the next one, hopefully Monday. And uh, that's all I have. What do you got besides wanting to gush about Amiibos more and the, the stuff you make them do? <laughs> that's it. <laughs> if we're excluding that, that's all I've got. <laughs> all right. Well, maybe maybe we will do a special what Colby does with his Amiibos episode. Yes, please. <laughs> and, and actually, what we should do is we'll just do a video podcast of that one. And you can just oh play God, with your amiibos on camera. Amiibos. Yeah. Yes. And you can just make them do I'll, I'll, the stuff you were talking about earlier. I'll rank them on camera. I'll rank them. <laughs> my my favorite amiibos. Yeah, and there's some concerning things <laughs> that he does with them, so we'll make sure that's caught on camera. <laughs> to, makes them do not. We'll get to it at some point. Just know that it's not illegal. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we hope. At least not not in his state. So, <laughs> all right, guys, thanks so much for listening. Hopefully, this podcast has a better audio quality. And uh, again, subscribe wherever you can, or, you know, we're still working on getting it up on all the different feeds. But uh, we will talk to you hopefully Monday. If not, keep an eye out. It'll be up next week. <laughs>